We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, the topic is M. Scott Peck, the author of The Road Less Traveled and People of the Lie. I'll also talk about the prophet Isaiah and the justices in last week's Supreme Court hearing, more specifically Kagan, Sotomayor, and Stevens. When we lie to ourselves as much as we've been lying over the last couple months, couple years, couple decades in the United States, we start to believe our own lies. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. If you listen to this show frequently, you know that I have referred to M. Scott Peck. That's M. period, Scott Peck. I've referred to him frequently, in the same breath, while trying to make the same point as when I refer to the Apostle Paul in his epistle to the Romans, where he says that when you start worshiping the created rather than the creator, you're given over to what? A reprobate mind. The Piper paraphrase of that, as you know, is this. When you start worshiping yourself, the God you see in the mirror, more than the God you find and read about in the Bible, when your God becomes self rather than the Savior, you can't think your way out of a paper bag any longer. I've said that a thousand times on this show. And while I've made that point, I've referred to a couple other people who made the same point as the Apostle Paul. I've referred to Graham Walker, who was the provost at Oklahoma Wesleyan back in 2002 when I was hired. Very bright man, one of the smartest guys I've ever worked with, to be quite candid. Who left Oklahoma Wesleyan and then became the president of Patrick Henry College out in the East Coast. And Graham wrote a paper that he titled The Pathology of the Intellect. And in that paper, he made the exact same point. But There he was challenging his own, because Graham knew that he was very bright, and he knew the temptation to arrogance, that when you are smart, you think you know more than everybody else around you, and you also quickly conclude that you know more than God himself. Graham called it the pathology of the intellect, the sickness of the mind, the same point that the Apostle Paul was making. Well, in today's show, I'm going to add the third person that I've referenced as I've made this point in the past, and that is M. Scott Peck, the author of The Road Less Traveled, which sold over six and a half million copies in its release. Many of you have probably heard of M. Scott Peck. He died back in 2005. He was one of the self-help psychologists of our time. One of the things that made M. Scott Peck unique was his acknowledgement of evil and his admission of lies, deception, dishonesty, whereas many in his generation, obviously the one in which we live in now, it's gotten worse with millennials and Gen Zers, have discarded the very idea of lies and replaced it with um, miscommunication, 
uh, inaccuracies, etc. M. Scott Peck didn't agree with that. Dumbing down the definition of lies was going to result in a negative, a negative consequence for humanity. He wrote the book People of a Lie to try to make that point more clear. I'm going to discuss a little bit about that book, and I'm going to lay over the top of that the prophet Isaiah as we evaluate what took place in the Supreme Court last week. That's today's show. Let's take a break, and when I get back, we'll talk about M. Scott Peck, the prophet Isaiah, and some of the comments that we heard from three liberal justices, the most progressive, I would argue, arrogant justices in our Supreme Court, Justice Sotomayor, Kagan, and Stevens. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. All right, let's start out with M. Scott Peck. Um, as I said, he died in 2005. He was 69 years old, died at a relatively young age. If I remember correctly, he died of pancreatic cancer. Now, to my knowledge, M. Scott Peck was not a Christian, but he had some very interesting views that overlapped with a biblical worldview, with Christian ideology, the Christian way of thinking, the biblical way of thinking, the Judeo-Christian ethic, if you will. And one of those was his acknowledgement of sin, of lies, of deception, his acknowledgement of evil. I want to, uh, I want to uh, specifically zero in on his book, People of the Lie. Now, I heard of this book when I was the dean of students down at Greenville College. My boss at the time, who was a vice president, brought it to my attention. He's the one, the boss, is the one that brought this concept of people of the lie, the diabolical human mind, to my attention, which was M. Scott Peck's way of saying the human being has a diabolical mind because we're capable of deceiving ourselves. We lie so frequently, so persistently, that we believe our own lies. His point was essentially this, that our nation's establishment, as well as us, but let's zero in on our leaders at this point. Our nation's establishment, our leaders in government and media and education, along with all the rest of us, the horde of mindless lemmings who parrot our leaders every decree, We've lied, they've lied so often to ourselves and to others that even they and we ourselves have come to believe our own lies, our own deception. This is what M. Scott Peck specifically said in his book, People of the Lie. Now listen to this. Listen to this. This is very important. The central defect of evil, he said, is not the sin but the refusal to acknowledge it. Then he went on. Lies are now what define us. While usually subtle, our deception is remarkably consistent. This is because we've crossed over the line. We are characterized by our absolute refusal to tolerate the sense of our own sinfulness. Our goodness is all on a level of pretense. It is, in effect, a lie. Actually, the lie is designed not so much to deceive others as to deceive ourselves. We lie only when we are attempting to cover up something we know to be illicit. Close quote. Maybe I should read that to you again, because it's so important to understand my point today. So here we go, maybe a little bit quicker. 
This is what he said. The central defect of the evil is not the sin, but the refusal to acknowledge it. Lies are now how we define ourselves. While usually subtle, our deception is remarkably consistent. This is because we've crossed over the line. We are characterized by our absolute refusal to tolerate the sense of our own sinfulness. Our goodness is all on a level of pretense. It is, in effect, a lie. Our goodness is a lie. Actually, the lie is designed not so much to deceive others as to deceive ourselves. We lie only when we are attempting to cover up something we know to be illicit. Close quote. In other words, we lie all the time because we know that our lies are illicit and that our goodness is illicit. Everything is a pretense. We've crossed over the line, he says. Lies are now how we define ourselves. Well, my point is this. If that doesn't describe our time and our day, if that doesn't describe the hearings in the Supreme Court last week, as well as everything else that's taking place in the daily news, I don't know what does. Another way to say it is we, the people, have become the people of the lie. Our nation is now awash. We're awash in a sea, a sea of deception so vast and of so many lies that it's hard for us to count them all. Here are some examples. I've mentioned them before, but I'm going to rattle off some examples. I could spend show after show just going through examples of lies. So let's just hit some of the some of these waves that are crashing in on the shore, some of these waves in this sea of deception. Proponents of critical race theory, for example, say they're fighting against racism while they flaunt what? Their own racism. That's clear. CRT is racist. I've pointed that out a hundred times. And its proponents say they're fighting racism while they demonstrate their racism. Pedagogues, teachers of social-emotional learning, SEL, which is in Oklahoma's own curriculum as sponsored by Joy Hoffmeister, who's running to be governor of the state of Oklahoma. Lord help us if we're stupid enough to elect this woman. And even though I've been critical of Governor Stitt and some of his decisions, you can bet your bottom dollar I'll support him a thousandfold over Joy Hoffmeister if those are the two decisions we have to make. Joy Hoffmeister is not just bad. Joy Hoffmeister is evil. And I use that word intentionally because she lies. She's deceptive. She's dishonest. So back to my point. These pedagogues like Joy Hoffmeister of social-emotional learning claim that they're teaching about emotional maturity. While they're grooming your children to be self-obsessed, self-absorbed, and self-indulgent narcissists. That's social emotional learning. That's emotional maturity to be that childish. And then you've got the champions of LGBTQIA, excuse me, LGBTQIA+, this alphabet soup of nonsense. They lecture the world about sexual choice, right? While they demand it should be illegal for counselors to help people exercise their sexual choice. That's why they want to make conversion therapy illegal, because they don't want people to choose to convert from behavior and ideology A to behavior and ideology B. They're liars. Trans advocates, they blackface women by dressing in cartoonish drag 
while shamelessly claiming to be what? Pro-woman. It's a lie. It's deception. It's sleight of hand. Feminists pretend to stand for female rights while denying the genetic reality, the biological fact of the female. Black Lives Matter shouts that all black lives must matter, right? While applauding the eugenic butchery of millions of black babies at the hands of who? Predominantly white people at Planned Parenthood. You, you, you can't make this up. This is what George Orwell or Huxley or Lewis, other dystopian authors, would have written about and did write about. School boards call parents who fight to protect their children from the terror of child porn terrorists. You're a terrorist now because you don't want your child terrorized by kitty porn. The NCAA says that male athletes who pretend to be women are champions of women's sports now. They defend this and they call you transphobic if you say, what? MSNBC and virtually every other journalistic outlet in the nation dumbs down the word insurrection. Last week, the word insurrection was used innumerable times. They dumbed down the definition of this word, insurrection, while at the same time calling the looting and burning that turned Kenosha into Mogadishu a peaceful protest. Do you get my point? Words should mean something. The word insurrection means nothing any longer because of the abuse and the lie that the left has made out of this word. Progressives pretend to care so much about America's constitution, and then they declare in the very next breath that our country's ideals, constitutional ideals, are systemically evil, and that the writers of our constitution were nothing more than imperialists working to codify their privilege. Again, do you get my point? This is all a lie. Educators argue that history must be taught in our schools. This woman down in Deer Creek school systems that's on the school board argues that history should be taught in our schools. But at the same time, she's lauding the 1619 Project, which even liberal scholars say is nothing more than propaganda. It's not education, and it's anything but valid history. Advocates of my body, my choice demonize you and me for saying it is my body and therefore it should be my choice what I do or don't inject into it. Anthony Fauci, the king of deception, he humbly, humbly boasts, I am science, while he scolds everyone, you and me included, all of his detractors, to stop questioning him. He says, I'm science, and then he doesn't like it. He scolds anyone for questioning him. Anybody with an eighth grade education in science knows that that position is the exact opposite of science. Science is about questions, questioning the hypothesis, and then adjusting and going a different direction when your questions prove that your hypothesis was wrong. This little Napoleon of a man it runs around hyperventilating, crying out, we're all going to die, we're all going to die from a virus that has a 99% survival rate. That has not changed, folks. 99% plus survival rate. And this chicken little of a man runs around crying the sky is falling while those of us smart enough to spurn his foul warnings still look outside and see that the skies are still blue. They're not falling. 
So what's he talking about? I could go on and on and on, like I said, for show after show. Champions of love trumps hate, shamelessly foment hate. Soldiers of tolerance shout they just can't tolerate your intolerance. These dutiful parrots chatter about that they're sure that nothing is sure and they know nothing can be known and that they're absolutely confident there are no absolutes. We've got these ministers of Marx out there preaching that socialism is good for the living, I guess, even though it left 100 million dead in its wake. Hmm, how's that one work? These are ideological fascists, like I've said a hundred times over, who accuse all of us who are trying to dodge the crushing blow of their fascists, their bundle of sticks, we're trying to dodge the blow, the bludgeoning from their fascists. They accuse us of being the fascists. It's all a lie. It's all a lie. This emperor, this emperor that I've just described, is naked as a jaybird. And we have an entire nation, an entire nation, including the most elite, the intelligentsia, the smart folks, the Supreme Court of the United States, they're standing on the sidelines, applauding, giving a standing ovation, cheering this emperor's glorious clothes. I, I pray that just a handful of us wake up and listen to that little boy. Remember the parable? Remember the tale? That one little boy in the sidelines who was watching the parade, who still had eyes to see and ears to hear and the courage to speak up. May there just be a handful of us like that little boy left. Pray God there be a remnant, a remnant to use biblical language. Malcolm McDowell had a quote where he said this. If you go out and Google what one man can do to orchestrate change, one of the quotes that'll come up in that Google search is this. One man can change the world with a bullet in the right place. Close quote, Malcolm McDowell. Um, and it, it's, it's sad that I'm going to do what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to paraphrase that. I'm going to add a parenthetical to that quote. I'm going to say this. One man can change the world with a bullet of truth in the right place. Close quote, Malcolm McDowell. Now here's the sad commentary of me doing that in this show. The reason I'm doing that is that I don't want the FBI showing up my front door. I don't want them turning up tomorrow because I said on air that the world could be changed with a bullet in the right place. It's clear in that quote that Malcolm McDowell is not calling for us to go shoot people. He's not calling for violence. It's called metaphor. It's called poetic language rather than prose, people. This is a popular quote because of the emotional power of the imagery. If our educational system, if American education has accomplished anything, it's the successful killing of poetry and metaphor. And it's a sad state of our nation's intellect that I feel obligated to add that parenthetical quote excuse me, that parenthetical insert to McDowell's quote. I, I, I digress here a bit, but isn't that sad that I don't feel comfortable in this show 
closing with one man can change the world with a bullet in the right place. And then I, I feel a need to add a bullet of truth because, because I, don't want, <laughs> I don't want to be thrown in jail. We, we can't even speak in metaphor and poetry any longer because these idiots have been lying so frequently that we can't elevate our communication to the painting to the painting of poetry. We've got to dumb down everything to the elementary, to the point where our lies take on this stagnant, stale appearance of being factual, when indeed even that is still false. We are people of the lie. Well, the prophet Isaiah talked about this. Let me share that as you think about the foolishness of the questions of Sotomayor and, and Kagan and Stevens, all three justices asking questions last week that were clearly questions grounded in inaccuracies and deception and lies and in, in information that isn't true. I mean, Sotomayor suggested that we have 100,000 children in the United States who are currently at risk of life in intensive care, that they're on ventilators and whatnot. That's just not true. That's not true. That's 30 times over what we have actually recorded in our hospitals. And even the director of the CDC has admitted that many of the children that are in the hospitals are there with COVID, not because of COVID. But yet Sotomayor doesn't care. She throws out this number of 100,000. And Stevens and Kagan did the same thing. They threw out their own numbers that were deceptive, misleading. They weren't grounded in facts. It was nothing but media spin because they have an agenda, and their agenda is to further their lies because those lies give them more and more power. Are these people really that stupid? I don't think so. I, I really don't think they're that stupid. I think they know that the data is against them. But the emotions of the American people can be used to further, further the power of the elites of themselves and of the people that appointed them to these positions in the first place. Well, the prophet Isaiah, let's close with this. I've talked repeatedly about a passage out of Isaiah 5, but let's read more out of Isaiah 5 than just that one passage. The passage that I've quoted repeatedly on this show is, Woe unto those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. In other words, woe unto those who reverse definitions because they think they're so smart. Woe unto those who lie to themselves and lie to others, calling evil good and good evil, bitter sweet and sweet bitter, light darkness and darkness light. Now, Isaiah spoke about this 700 years plus before the birth of Christ. This was... 2,700 plus years ago that Isaiah said this. Don't you think we ought to attend to the lesson of history here? Again, regardless of where you are in your Christian commitment, don't you think that a guy who said this stuff 2,700 years ago that seems to nail it ought to be attended to and listened to? Now, why did he write this stuff? The reason he wrote this stuff is he was warning the nation of Israel. He was warning them. Earlier in that same chapter in Isaiah, he says this, Woe to those who join the, to the house and who add to the field. 
In other words, woe to those who join into this house of Israel and add to the field of Israel. If you're going to be part of this community, woe unto you. I'm warning you because this is where this community is going. That's what Isaiah was saying. He said this, the Lord of hosts has sworn in my hearing, surely many houses shall be desolate, large and beautiful houses without inhabitants. Isaiah's warning Israel. You think you're fat and sassy right now. You're adding more houses. You're adding more people. You're adding more prestige, more power, more military, more economic gain. You think everything's cool and going well. It's not. I'm warning you. That's the point here. He goes on and says this. Woe to those who rise early in the morning and run after strong drink, who tarry late at night and in the evening. They have lyre and harp. And they have wine at their feasts, but they do not regard the deed, the deeds of the Lord, or see the work of his hand. So, woe unto those who are just partying at night because they think that everything is well. They've got their music, they've got their lyre and their harp, they've got their drink. That's all they care about is partying and enjoying their feasts and their wine and their food. But they don't regard the deeds of the Lord or see the works of his hand. They're ignoring that. He goes on and he says this, Therefore my people will go into exile for lack of knowledge. Now think about Kagan and Sotomayor and Stevens and everybody else. Again, the army of mindless lemmings who follow their every decree. Isaiah is saying that Israel is going to go into exile for lack of knowledge. Man is humbled. And each one is brought low, and the eyes of the haughty are brought low. You're going to be humbled, he's saying. Those of you who are arrogant and haughty in your own knowledge, your own wisdom, your own ways are going to be humbled. Woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of falsehood. Does that sound familiar? Cords of falsehood, lies, deception. Then he says the famous verse, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. Woe to those who acquit the guilty and deprive the innocent of their rights. That is a warning to Israel. Do you think that the United States or any other country is going to sidestep the same judgment that God ventured on his chosen people? Why would you think he's going to treat us with a lesser hand than he treated his own, the chosen, the chosen race of Jacob, of Israel? He says, woe to those who acquit the guilty, who deprive the innocent of their rights. That's a warning, Kagan Sotomayor. And Stevens. That's a warning to the Supreme Court, and it's a warning to you and me. Our nation is becoming a people of the lie. M. Scott Peck nailed it. The Apostle Paul nailed it. Graham Walker nailed it. The prophet Isaiah warned of it 2,700 years ago. Wake up and recognize the solution here is repentance and humility before truth with a capital T rather than the elevation of your own lies. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.